Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Arsenal X, the Xbox podcast here on the Boss Rush Network. I am one of your hosts, Corey Deere, and alongside me, as always, is the joy of Wisconsin. <laughs> Stoyovich. How's it going? I can't. I'm the joy I can't. of the entire state. Look, I can't. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out a nickname for you yet. Oh, that's fine. I, I'm totally fine with that. No, we you need guys. One. You guys probably don't have a quick trip by you, right? No. Okay, that's a very, very Wisconsin thing. It very Wisconsin like thing. It. It's, it's like a gas station slash convenience store thing. Oh, dude, we got a quick trip on like every corner down here. Really? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Good oh, for you. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, there's same by us. Someone just made the news in Wisconsin that apparently they visited all quick trips in Wisconsin. Now, apparently there's over 420 quick trips in Wisconsin. It's amazing. I didn't even know there was that many. Wow. That's a lot. It's a that, great number. So that's uh th- th- that's the joy of Wisconsin right there is visiting every quick trip in the state. Hmm. That other voice you hear is the one the only, the mayor of the Deep Stone Crypt, the vault dwelling, the Spartan slaying, the best Destiny co-host on the Citadel. It's Josh Finney. God, I love you. It's that. Oh, it's, that it's that Tower Casual. I wish I had an intro like that. My long-awaited return. I know. Hi, Josh. Hi, Corey. This is this is going to be a fun episode. This is it's like it's it's a homecoming. I feel like I need like Stone Cold Steve Austin intro. Uh, Oh, we're not. No, we're not going that far. I look, I gave you your nicknames. You're lucky I didn't call you the Demon's House. Listen, I get that when I walk into people's houses. Okay, I expect more (laughs) coming back to my old stomping grounds. Uh, man, how's it going, Josh? It's it's going. It's going. I don't. hmm. It's going. Hmm. I don't know. Is yeah. it? I don't know how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, just, yeah. It's uh, it's just you know, going. It, it is what it is. Uh, you know, got, got my got my booster shot on Friday, so I'm feeling pretty under the weather this weekend. Oh, that's you cool. Know, little, that's, that's good. Little, little sluggish, migraines, all that. Today's kind of the well, this evening's kind of the first time I've felt human all weekend. Hmm. That's good. So that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a threesome this week. Yeah, three dudes just hanging out talking about video games. Yeah, that was a choice. It was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a choice. I made it. Deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I you know, what more, what more do you want? Just yeah, you know, three dudes just hanging out. Yeah. Hey, you like video games? I like video games. Let's talk about video games in front of. No, they're the worst. You like those oh, video games? Best. Come on. Hmm. Hmm. It's a. It's a good. It's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, we have, dude. There's a lot of news this week. There's a lot. Only a couple big stories though, but there's a, there's enough here to to dissect and you know. Yeah. Um. I don't know if you guys saw that about uh, Phil Spencer got himself into hot water about his comments that he made on a podcast. Oh. Saying wow. that Xbox Live is not a free speech platform, and everyone's like, well, "I don't like that." I mean, it's a it's owned by a private corporation, private server. Well, it's definitely exactly. not a free speech platform. <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, they're you're gonna, 
yeah, I, and, and that's why I kind of like agreed with him. I was like, yeah, it's their platform and they can do and say whatever, impose whatever rules they want. So, you know, um, they're not going to let you talking about they're not going to let you on there talking about Nazis or whatever else is banned by the world. Um, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, no, that's only allowed on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Only in the metaverse. Yeah, or whatever else, uh, whatever other social media platform is going to be popping up here in the next year or so. The the metagrams. I'm going to take my views to Zanga. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wait for that mobile Grand Theft Auto. What if Grand Theft Auto was just get a... my live journal account back up and running. <laughs> what if what if Grand Theft Auto 6 was a mobile game? A free-to-play mobile game? Uh, I mean, that I would be would, amazing. I would respect that. It's a distinct possibility now. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I mean... Rockstar's got a game-winning formula right there, so... Yeah. Uh, but back back to the free speech platform. I kind of agree, like... Game-winning. Get uh, it? Look. Game-winning. Game, game I got game. it. I got it. You didn't even laugh! Come on! <laughs> there, thanks. Jokes. Okay, now we can move on. Jokes. No, but I agree with you guys. It's like... Don't... Look, just, just don't be a dickhead on the internet, guys. It's like a... It seems like a reasonable ask right just don't i feel like yeah. the only people who are upset about this are the people who are mad that somebody is saying you know you probably shouldn't run around yelling racial slurs yeah mm -hmm. you shouldn't do that okay i mean you shouldn't do that either you shouldn't you, do you that shouldn't in do any period yeah in yeah any... i i mean but come on like we we've the three of us have been on xbox live for a very long time yes and we all remember how the Halo 2 and 3 lobbies used to be, the Call of Duty lobbies. Like, God. it's a huge reason why I just turn off voice chat in every game now, even, like, as I approach 30. No, you don't. It's because worst. I have... It was Gears. It was the worst. <laughs> Gears, Gears was bad. I saw somebody saying the other day with the Halo 3 server shutting down, going, you know, this is what Infinite is missing, is the social aspect. How everybody used to get to talk before and after games, and there was there was cross-team chat, and I'm like, yeah, I really <laughs> miss people yelling the N-word every three words. If you at, played Call of Duty recently, at the end of every match, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It, it, it's like, yeah, I, re I really miss the... Uh, the racial, misogynistic, and homophobic slurs yeah. uh, from, from this, Xbox Live Lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really miss that. Let me let me tell you, that's what Halo Infinite is missing right there. Mm -hmm. I miss I miss that so much. Mm. <laughs> you know, part of it is kind of funny and pathetic in a way because there's a lot of people that aren't good competitors, and they don't appreciate it sometimes when it's like you lose and it's like. Hey, all right, I'm going to take that one on the chin and get better on the next one. No, mm -hmm. these people decide to throw insults and slurs at other people because apparently it's their fault. Whatever. I mean, it's a whole thing. It's not it's not a place that you know, Xbox Live is not a place for that, you know. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know what? Come on. We're most of us are adults here. Let's act like it. Mm -hmm. It's a video game. It's not that heated. It's just like when you see the videos of people overreacting after their sports team loses. Like, I, and I brought this one up to Corey Chagrin many a time, but like, there, there's one of the Ravens running a kick all the way back at the end of the game to win the game, and this dude just overreacts, starts ripping his Browns jersey apart, throwing it into the stands, screaming about how much he hates him. And it's like, you know what, man, it, it, it's a game. 
let's move on with life. It has no impact on your life unless you are a member of the team or you are a person with a severe gambling problem. Mm-hmm. You're okay. You'll be fine. The, the earth will still spin tomorrow. The sun will still come up. I promise you. It's a video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. the end of the world. <laughs> nope. Nope. And like what you do on the internet reflects who you are in real life too. Yeah. Don't don't run around and say because I've heard that argument before. Like, oh, I just got up, caught up in the heat of the moment. No, if you're saying it here, there's a good chance you're saying it in traffic on I-35. Also, you're saying it at the Quick Trip, or you're saying it at McDonald's. Like you're saying it somewhere else too. Like mm-hmm. you think you have anonymity, but you really don't. Okay. Yeah. Just- yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know what we do on the internet, guys. You know what we do. <laughs> We do a podcast. This is Arsenal X, the Xbox podcast here on the Boss Rush Network. You can catch us live on Twitch every Sunday night on podcast services and YouTube on Tuesday mornings. If you listen to listen to the show on iTunes and Spotify, leave a five-star rating, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and check out all of our shows and content on BossRush.net. You can get your Arsenal X merch on the Boss Rush store. We have shirts, stickers, mugs, hoodies, and more. Check it out by clicking the store icon on our website. It's going to be fun. It's a good time. We're going to jump into what we've been playing. Uh, Stoy, what have you been playing? Um, okay. I, I tried to remember the name of this game, and I think I'm going to have to Google it real quick. Um, it is called uh, Record of Lodos. Um, War, Record of Lodos War, Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. I think that's it. Um, so this was on game pass and it just came out, I think a couple weeks ago and mm-hmm. they, um, it's just like a Metroid. It's actually more of a Castlevania screw the Metroid part of it. This is a straight Castlevania style game right, right. down to the music. Like, I don't know. I don't know, Josh, if you ever played, um, uh, symphony at night ever. Oh, big fan. One of my favorite but games. It's ever. a, it's got a very distinct musical score and right. very like, you know, you're wandering around like a castle, you know, obviously side scrolling and you're you're fighting bats or you're fighting goblins or you're fighting skeletons or whatever else. Just standard Castlevania style fare. But you got this like blaring ass soundtrack that's like in your ears. That's just pumping and pumping like it doesn't fit the fit the area that you're in. But it's so amazingly mm. work works well that it's like I'm in this. So well, it's I'm, like looking at, service for I'm looking like at some screenshots of the game. It, this, this definitely looks very, it's a Castlevania with a fantasy filter. Yeah, it pretty much it is, is because very much what it looks like. Yeah. You're playing as, I mean, there's a lot of elf lore here because you're playing as an elf. And I think the story sets up where like you're part of this. The, the, the story is very basic. Like there really isn't much set up in the beginning. You're part of this group of protectors of the of earth or something like that. And then, you are a particular one who falls in love with another protector, but then like something happens where the balance is disrupted and you disrupted it, and you had to fight for your love of this person. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They really don't explain much. All of a sudden you're in this world and you're in these castles and you're fighting these enemies who are trying to destroy you, but you yourself are kind of confused like your character is like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm fighting all of you, but you know, she's kind of pushing through. Uh, her name is Deedlit, so that's uh, that's who um, that's who you're playing as. But apparently, 
this record of Lotus War is actually a franchise of fantasy novels. Um, um interesting. Okay. Yeah. I would like, not have guessed oh, that. Sorry, I walked away for a second. Are you talking about that like Metroidvania on Game Pass that's like You get that Metroid out of your mouth, sir. <laughs> this is hey, a Castlevania game through I just, and through. I've just been playing I, I just, know you just heard it tangentially and i've been playing a lot of metroid dread no yeah no that's fine i know uh, like you got that metroid uh name being used a lot but you're not admittedly doing a lot of backtracking in this it's actually very linear and even though like the map is kind of set up like i i cory i was talking about like where it's very reminiscent of uh, castlevania sympathy of the night right down to the music and right down to kind of like the look of it so um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty linear. You do maybe occasional backtracking back and forth, but as you're going through, you, you know, you're unlocking different weapons. You're on, you, you have a bow and arrow that you could use too, as well. Um, you have a, you have a blue and a red power as well, which they, they use it in very interesting ways. So, like, say, for example, there is a boss fight where, like, you're actually fighting two two beings, like, two, like, kind of, like, spirits or whatever. And one's, like, blue, one's red. So, like, you have to shift between uh, this blue phase and red phase to attack the opposite color. So, like, if you shift to your red power, which is, like, fire, you can, um, you can attack the blue character and vice versa. Um, there's lava levels where like, if you have to traverse through the lava, you have to turn into your red power. Uh, sometimes there's like barriers that are blocking your way and they're either blue or red. So you have to shift to that particular color to shift through that. Otherwise you're going to get damaged. And apparently you collect energy through that process, which you can use to kind of like bump up your health at regular intervals. I haven't really figured out how that works, but like sometimes I'll shift between, blue and red and like I'll just automatically start building up health which maybe if I paid attention more I'd understand but yeah um, you should be paying attention so, I know I really should be <laughs> but like sometimes they you know they'll like tell you something and I'm like I just want to kind of play I want to get going yeah and I would say I'm about a couple hours into this because I played a I played a decent amount of it earlier today and uh, it's it's solid and it stands alone as like a really good Castlevania style game. So if you're if you're kind of really interested in or if you're a big fan of the Castlevania series, that's definitely the game to go to. Hmm. Um especially recently since it's on Game Pass. And it's it's pretty lengthy. Like I don't know how long it is, but I've I, I don't think I'm really halfway through. I don't I don't I think I unlocked like about like 30% of the map at this point and I'm like a couple hours in. So cool. But I mean, that's the big one that I've really been playing. I've obviously been still going back to dragon age acquisition. Uh, did I talk about the pedestrian last week? You did a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I find I, I beat that and that's a, that's an interesting way it, way it, it ended. And I'm not going to say what happens at the end. Do you get run over? But no, but, uh, <laughs> the, um, have you ever heard the purple flower joke? No. Anybody? No. No. Okay. No. Right. Is that a Wisconsin um, thing too? No, that's a that's a dad joke type thing. Uh, I'm gonna just want you to Google it. Hmm. I'm not gonna tell you about it because it's a very long, very stupid joke. But uh, yeah. Anyway. 
Because when you said at the end, is you get hit by a truck? That's anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah, th there's like the ending sequence that happens where it's like, man, I wish most of the game was like that for a particular ending sequence. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Hmm. Cool. So, but I, that's a really <clears throat> good puzzle game. Really makes you think, really makes you kind of have to think outside the box quite a bit. And a lot of trial and error if you're into that. If you get frustrated very easily, there may be some puzzles that you'll get right away. Some puzzles that'll just, you know, you'll be sitting there for a long time, like trying to rack your brain fig to figure it out. But hmm. um, yeah, I, I jumped back in Rainbow Six Siege as well, too. <laughs> oh, wow. The non-multiplayer guy jumps into one of the most hardcore multiplayer games ever made. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I'm not playing multiplayer. I'm playing Terrorist Hunt Lone Wolf, baby. Oh, God. Let me tell you the amount of anxiety. If you're playing just if you're playing just terrorist hunt, like not, you know, hostage rescue, not defuse the bomb, nothing like that. Um, if you just play terrorist hunt where you just go in and you just take out however many people in there, the amount of anxiety that courses through your veins when you're playing that mode by yourself, you, you have a little bit of safety when you're like with people because there's always like you know, you're playing with the four people and you're storming this house or you're storming this building. And it's like, all right, I got people in my group that are like better than me sometimes. So, you know, they got your back. But when you're going in by yourself, adds a whole other level of extreme difficulty. You really got to be careful how you walk, how you approach things, how you peek around corners. You're going to fail a lot. But I think that's, I don't know, that's, that's kind of part of the fun of it for me. Like... I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm on the edge of my couch, like, you know, really paying attention, really focused, really dialed in. And I don't know. I, I love in the, in the past terrorist hunt, I've played um, hundreds and hundreds of times, like the old Vegas days and even like the previous ones beforehand, just lone wolf in it or like going in with maybe like a group of people sometimes. But yeah, I'm just kind of getting ready for um, quarantine whenever it comes out or or ext what are they? What's the new mode? Extraction. 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 Don't worry, they've yeah. changed the name like four times. It's fine. It, it was called quarantine at one point. It Will was. they change it again with four days to go? Maybe. What if they did? What if they did? Rainbow Six well, invasion. Because aren't they aliens, not zombies? They they are in fact aliens. Hmm. Can we get that Will Smith Agent uh, J skin in there? That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I didn't realize I like I was playing on PlayStation. So I have like, I think up to year three mm -hmm. on PlayStation. But like I downloaded it on Game Pass and they only give you yeah, like year one and two, I think. Yeah, whatever's in the deluxe editions like year one and two, I think, which is what's on yeah. Game Pass. So like I was I was thinking about buying the pack, the ultimate pack where it's like you get all years. Mm -hmm. I think it goes up to year five or year six at this point. Mm -hmm. and um i was like i don't know if i want to do that if i really want to invest that amount of money mm -hmm. it was on sale recently and i think i just missed it i think today's the last day actually no i looked it's gone is it oh yeah it's gone oh yeah it's womp, okay womp. i don't know i i may still pick it up i like i said i i don't know how deep i want to go in with it mm. you never know how I'm deep like to go this. in yep exactly you just want to kind of like just go in just a little bit, feel around a bit, kind of see hmm. how the waters feel. And then, yeah. you know, you just kind of, once you kind of get that initial entry point in, 
then you just go in hard. Mm. Um, actually, Stoy, Giggity. the Rainbow Six Siege Ultimate Edition is on sale for thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. 60% off. It gives you every operator to date. Whatever that means. Well, just like every year they dump like five or six operators and yeah, like a couple different stages and whatever. I just hate, I hate where they went with it I mean, recently that's that's with fair. the arena. I don't, uh, I don't know anything about it. I played like, I, I think I played for like two weekends with Jesse one time and I just... I had no idea it's, what I was doing. <laughs> so they basically been pushing this game as like, oh, this is going to be a 10-year game. Yeah. And well, they're on year 7. So Yeah, they're course. on year. Yeah, it's it's been out for a while. Um so they just recently implemented this this kind of like a new game mode where it's like you're in an arena battle, whatever. Ah. So I think the story is it's like some rich asshole bought a whole big soccer stadium and then converted it into like a um you know arena where like people are watching you and you're trying to it's like one team against another team and you're trying to go through this like fabricated house with these fabricated buildings that kind of are randomized and you know you're going in with a random team of four people and it's supposed to be a big competition in front of all these people in front of a televised audience i don't know whatever tom clancy would be rolling over in his grave if he saw what happened to his uh they basically franchises. They basically turned this into GI Joe, and it's like yeah, hmm. it really, it really did. Hmm. So, is that I read because I, I I read the I read the original Rainbow Six book a long time ago, and I I mean it's it has such a good premise, and even like some of the games, I think the uh, the original games were very faithful and loyal to the books because obviously Tom Clancy. At the time, when it was Red Storm Entertainment, that was his studio, he very much had a strict grip on everything that went on in the games. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be implemented in the game unless it went through him. And, like, we almost didn't even get Splinter Cell at one point. Yeah. Because he was so adamant about, like, the tech that was be to, that would to be used in the game needed to be real-life tech. Like, nothing futuristic, none of this whole, like, you know crazy ass tech that they're using in siege none of that would be in this game if he was still alive mm-hmm. yeah oh i remember i mean i remember playing ghost recon and rainbow six on the x the original xbox and like those games were like you try to play those and then you go play halo halo feels like a <laughs> cakewalk compared to those games oh yeah so oh, yeah very much so but that's pretty much what i've been playing cool what about you josh uh, I'll keep brief. Be- I'll keep it brief because I know you guys have talked about these games recently. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Mm. That's pretty much what I've been doing since uh, Christmas. My first time playing through Mass Effect uh, ever. I played the first game a long time ago. All I remembered was uh, the decision with Rex on Vermeer. That's literally the only thing I remembered from the entire game and a couple of the characters. That was it. Uh, went in completely fresh, somehow have never been spoiled on the events of two or three at all. Uh, That's actually surprising considering how much, how many people talk about this game. Uh, I was not playing games very much when two and three came out. Uh, I was a senior in high school when two came out and none of my friends played RPGs like that. We, we all played Elder Scrolls and then three came out, uh, when I was in college and working full time. 
So uh, just never, never really had uh, the chance to get back to them. And of course, the original Xbox One didn't have backwards compatibility for several years. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have a 360 anymore, never went back to them. Um, There are podcasts on this network where I swore up and down for about six months out of last year that I was not buying this game. I was not going to play it until it came to Game Pass. And I caved on Black Friday, got it for 25 bucks. Of course, the day I finished Mass Effect 3, they announced it's coming to Game Pass. Of course. Um, but aren't you glad? But that, aren't you glad? I'm actually I'm actually okay with it because I like these games so much. Um, and I'm still one of those weirdos who, if I like a game enough, I like to have a physical copy of it. Mm-hmm. Same. So... I'm I'm perfectly okay with it. Three um three of the best RPGs I've ever played for twenty five bucks. Cool. Like two two is simply like one of the six or seven best games I've played in my entire life. Um, the Suicide Mission is just Chef's Kiss. That mm-hmm. is that is the best scripted, the most consequential, the most meticulously thought out RPG series of missions that I think I've ever played. Um, where literally everything mattered. And then it still impacts your entire experience in 3. I got out of it with everybody alive, so it made my experience in 3 that much better. Uh, I've seen what happens when you don't have everybody alive in 3, and I'm just... mm, It's not as satisfying to me, especially the Citadel DLC. Yeah. Um, that that may be the best, like obviously not counting like full on expansions, you know, like Witch Queen or you know Beyond Light or anything like that. I would say it's one of the best DLCs I've ever played from a story standpoint, if not the best. Mm-hmm. It's Citadel is so fun. It's it's hilarious. Like it stands out as like so unique compared to all the the rest of the game. It's, it's so like, funny. It's like a buddy cop. It's a buddy. Oh, cop. It, it, it's Ooh. a buddy cop. Yeah. It, it's hilarious because you have Shepard being like, God, do I really sound like that? Yeah, they're um, all captured. He's like, well, I don't say that. I say, like, I should go. No, I should. I go. should. I go. should. <laughs> I should go. Um, and that That's pretty great. It, it was worth it to see Rex in a tuxedo. Uh, mm. That was pretty great. Uh, and then, you know, just the, the house party. That's the, the house party, the individual... Uh, little side quests you get to do with all of your companions. Um, uh, there, there's a funeral for a certain somebody that I was not expecting to see in there, and I got really emotional during it because this was the final thing I did before actually finishing the game. Um, and you know, my the character that I romanced into. Uh, spoiler alert: I did Miranda. Uh, kept it going in number three. Uh, it made the final time you talk to her right before the final assault on the Reapers uh, that much more impactful mm-hmm. um, after going through that and keeping everyone alive. Just, God, it, the cast of characters is so good. Like, if you pressed me to make a top five, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would have to make you a top ten and then not rank it. Because it's that hard to rank how good these characters are. And I was saying, I said this in the Discord earlier this week, I attempted to start Dragon Age for the first time after this. Right. And... I, this is this is gonna sound harsher than I intended it to, but I am just floored that Mass Effect and Dragon Age Dragon Age Origins came from the same studio. Yeah. That it is jaw dropping to me, mm-hmm. um, because Mass Effect One came out two years before and just feels so much more advanced mm-hmm. mechanically uh, in terms of storytelling, character development, voice acting, gameplay. It feels so much more advanced. Like it makes Dragon Age Origins look like a PS2 game. 
Honestly, it does. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I mean, we had we had this it's, conversation it's... on Tower Casuals too. It's just like mm-hmm. Mass Effect. It's like Mass right. Effect is so, like leagues above at least what I played of Dragon Age back in the day. I haven't played Inquisition yet, which I know is like a I, lot I'm better. Skipping, I'm going to skip straight to Inquisition this week. Um, and I should add this with a caveat. High fantasy is typically a harder sell with me mm-hmm. in a video game. But then again, I mean, like Oblivion is what, probably my second favorite RPG ever made. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I said this to Corey. I can't believe that Oblivion came out in the same generation as Oblivion and Mass Effect Two came out in the same generation as Origins, mm-hmm. because both of them feel and they both feel leaps and bounds ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of sarcastically made this quip. I says I don't understand. This is the franchise we so desperately want a fourth game for, like. I now understand why people were upset with Andromeda because I tried playing Andromeda and I probably will never finish it. Mm-hmm. But I would still play Andromeda over Dragon Age. That's where I'm at right now, and unfortunately. And like, I, I totally get there are a bunch of story. I know you're a big fan of Dragon Age. Like, I'm not saying it's just like rag on it and be like, oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever played. Because it's not a bad game. It's just you're coming off a high of one of the greatest trilogies ever made in gaming. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, no, you're right. Okay. I mean, Dragon yeah. Age is is a harder sell. Compared I, I, to went from, I also I went from the trilogy to Andromeda to Dragon Age. It yeah. was just a, it was well, a real steep drop for me. The, the the funny thing is, Inquisition is so similar to Andromeda. Oh no! Both, oh. both like in, in in gameplay elements, not in story. The, the, you know the story is is a little bit I mean, obviously it's not like as in depth as Inquisition, but like where Inquisition has all these little hub worlds that you go to and stuff. And yeah, you yeah, have yeah. all those kind of like it's like partially open world. I forget what they call it, but um, it's kind of similar in that vein gameplay wise. Well, I said one of the things that I think really worked against Dragon Age for me is that, and I mean I get that I'm playing the best optimized version. It's got the FP, FPS boost. It's got the auto HDR. I played through Pillars of Eternity last summer, and it's real hard for me to go to a game that has party management and a high fantasy when I've played through that, and I've watched good friends of mine play an entire Divinity campaign. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'd kind of rather just go play that or just... I I play Dungeons & Dragons a couple times a month. I'd rather just go play D&D at this point. I'd rather go play with my rogue that I actually like Mm -hmm. and that I don't want to just, like yeet off the next cliff that i find um just it's it's frustrating because i've gone from i went from some of the best npcs i've ever had in a game to just some of the most forgettable like outside of morrigan i don't care about any character i've met you know and it's it's interesting because you don't you won't see those characters in the pre in the next few games oh god it's like so i mean it's nice for you i guess if that's if that's what you're into because a lot of them were so forgettable that it was just like Whatever they just like it's weird because in Mass Effect One I kind of felt the same coming out of Mass Effect One I'll be honest like that it has not aged terribly well compared to two and two and three have aged beautifully Um, number one though I think because it's much more of an RPG than two and three are by three you're basically playing Gears of War light Um, but the characters outside I found in the first one at least. I felt that none of them were really super developed outside of Rex got a full arc and that's because he has the potential to die. 
mm-hmm. um, compared to two where the loyalty missions, I think, are so beyond anything you've done in an RPG. Like, it's clear that, like, Fallout 4 borrowed from that with the loyalty missions, with the with the individual character side quests. And mm-hmm. I love that so much because it allows you to have moments with these NPCs, like pre- characters I could not have cared less about until I did their loyalty missions. Like Jack wasn't sold on her, did her loyalty mission, instantly one of my favorite companions after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Miranda's added this, a different layer to her. And, you know, if she survives, how the ending of three plays out is so much different. Mm-hmm. Um, in her relation to Cerberus and the uh, the elusive man, like God, dude, the elusive man. Like, can we talk Martin Sheen, one of the all time great gaming villains? Martin yeah, Sheen, really? Martin Sheen, Uncle Ben is one of the all <laughs> one of the all time great uh, video game villains. I think that's one of those yeah, things. Yeah, sure. I don't think anybody else could have played him. No mm-hmm. one else. Well, I think Martin. Foe. That that, that was. Maybe. It's so crazy because I, I just I feel like Saren is the better villain. Like, I, I think Saren has the better story, but I think the, my attachment to the elusive. I do I do think that three fumbles the ball with him, especially in the final act. Yeah, it just feels like okay, but for the first two thirds of three and all of two, like in two, he's an ally. Like he's not a villain, but you get this feeling in two that you're eventually going to have to turn on this guy because he's he's nuts, but he's willing to do whatever it takes for you. He doesn't really get mad. He didn't get mad at my shepherd until the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the one time I truly angered him was at the end. I, I chose, you know, not to salvage the base or anything like that. He was like, well, destroy it. Yeah. F you, you know, mm-hmm. here's my metaphorical middle finger for you. I hope you mm-hmm. all, I hope you all die there. Um, and, I think that Saren is good, but I think you have to read the first book to really appreciate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, the backstory <clears throat> between him and Anderson makes it—it it makes it so much more personal. Yeah. It's a much more personal story. And Shepard is kind of—it's uh, a father-son relationship between Shepard and Anderson, mm-hmm. um, or fa- father-daughter. You know, however you chose to play. I played as male Shep. Um, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's such a great trilogy, and it's so hard. That's why it's been so hard for me to get back into other things. Like, Guardians is not... I don't think Guardians is bad, but I'm like, I just left this awesome series with these uh-huh. companions I like. I'm ready to kick Rocket Raccoon out of the next airlock that I find. Actually, same. Um, I, 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 I like can't. Rocket as yeah. a character in literally everything else, but he's just such a dick that I, mm-hmm. I'm ready to get rid of him. Um... And for me, it's like I've seen so many incarnations of the Guardians that I already like that this is like I I like the relaunch of the Guardians in the comics from 2011. I like them in the I like them in uh, the Annihilation event. I like them in the Thanos Imperative. I I like Drax. You know, I like Drax back in the 90s, you know, when he literally became coined the Destroyer. I like the James Gunn movies, uh, the animated series, Telltale. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the eighth reboot of the Guardians I've gotten. And... So far, outside of Drax, nobody is capturing my heart. Drax is like the mm. best he's ever been here. Yeah, yeah. Drax wearing is glasses, good. reading sarcasm for dummies is just one of the best things I've ever seen in a video <laughs> game. I think. Yeah, I I gotta say, Guardians did start a little slow, but like, yeah. Rocket and Drax and even Mantis became like some of my favorite characters in the entire game, and I know those are like. A lot of those are characters that people don't like at the beginning, but end up turning mm-hmm. towards the end. 
just no, from that's great. And I, I like I like hearing that. And I'm I've seen it get so many nominations and awards for its storytelling. And I'm just I'm waiting for that to kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a you, little over a third of the way through the missions. Yeah, you said you're on nowhere, right? I'm on nowhere. It's yeah, gonna I'm on turn. It's gonna right turn now. for you real soon. Uh, that that's reassuring to hear. I, I just I, I don't I don't dislike it. It's just between that and there's a few in like I'm finally getting into the flow of the combat. There were a few combat instances where I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm I gotta put the, I gotta put this down for for a little bit. I'm just yeah. getting annoyed. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the combat's definitely. I look, I look forward to finishing it. The, the combat's definitely the weakest part of the game until you start unlocking all the other characters' special moves and learning how to, which combos go with which, you know, which yeah. moves go with which moves to, to maximize your combos and stuff. And I like, just, I think that this Star Lord is just so boring. I yeah, but I also think that this Star Lord is kind of like a a vessel for the player to learn about the other characters. That's just how like. At the, at the beginning of the game, I was like, okay, I know this. a lot of people have a problem with this version of Star-Lord. Well, I'm just going to use him to learn about the other characters. I think it's I think it's also his voice actor. His voice actor just sounds so bored whenever he delivers his lines. Like, oh, come on, guys. Like, I'm sorry, Star-Lord, isn't a, he's not a whiner. Like, this dude just sounds whiny and, like, oh, come on, I'm taking my ball and going home. That's what he sounds like half the time. Like begging and pleading and all the air guardians are like oh my god like (laughs) will you get a grip like (laughs) be a man i don't i don't know it's i'm gonna sit here and nitpick but i am i am genuinely enjoying parts of guardians uh i'm waiting both of you said before we started that it was gonna pick up for me real soon the second like the second half of this game at least it just gets real wacky and real like hilariously awesome like in a like the the villains mm-hmm. and like the main threat in the game like it's just real like over the top stupid almost but it's it's the best part of the I game. I mean that that's the best Guardians yeah. stories is when it's over the top and stupid. Yeah, it's really over the top and stupid. <clears throat> but all right, all right, I'll, I'll, great... I'll take your word for it then. I'm ready. Yeah, Corey, what are you playing? I want you to come back, and if you're and if Corey's yeah. wrong or if I'm wrong, I want you to come back and tell us. <laughs> oh, I will. I will, uh, I will not be quiet. I Okay, cool. <laughs> I finished Guardians of the Galaxy on Friday and uh the ending is real good. Like I really liked it. All right. And then you, the, there's you, also You guys you guys are making a hard sell here. So Also, like I was like okay, how how do your choices really matter in this game? And like it's it's not quite like Mass Effect where there's like threads or anything, but there's a clear like if you did this one thing, then at the end this thing's gonna happen. But if you didn't do it, it's not right. Like there's, mm-hmm. it it definitely takes those choices into consideration, and like some of the choices I made made the end of the game significantly less challenging. I would say. <laughs> uh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of nice to be like, oh, neat. I can I can do this and uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to spoil anything for Josh but like man some of the characters and stuff that are in there and it just oh it's so good it's so good oh man the second half of that game is definitely uh the second half of the game made made me want to instantly go back and play it almost immediately again to um, finish up the achievements which I don't know if I will because I really want to play Mass Effect but anyways. 
that's kind of that's kind of all I've been playing. I've been playing some Metroid Dread too, but because uh, I haven't finished that either. But anyways, that's that's it. I don't I don't I don't want to waste any more time talking about <laughs> the games we've been talking about for like three weeks now. So uh, yeah, let's jump into the news, the headlines, as they say. <clears throat> Dick. <Dick-dick. laughs> Did you make a noise? What was the noise? What was the sound effect? I, Did you do? I that? made it. Yeah. That's that's all. Is that are we going to start doing that now? Do you want me to? Yes. Okay. I got to get to something better then. Stoy. Let's get to the headlines. That's worse. It's that, too long. Is that worse? Well, that was the opening. It's too like, long. When you boot up the original Xbox. It's fair. You know the the bubbles, the yeah. yeah. Remember, I'll I'll think of something. Remember when they made a stage for the 20th anniversary, based yeah. off the original? That was cool. That All was right. really cool. It, I, there should have been more. There should have been more using that stage because I anyway. wanted. I wish I wish Phil Spencer was in like the little weird morphing X bubble. Right. Yeah. And then he just plops down. <laughs> Anyways, it just like superimposes on his face. Yeah. Why not? Oh man, remember when the X used to like it was like a crinkled piece of paper and it was like and just made the X. Oh, that's cool. Anyways, the headlines. <laughs> Xbox Series X and S consoles are the fastest selling generation of Xbox ever. Wow, surprise. In a so, recent like every other generation? Yeah. In a recent interview with the New York Times, Phil Spencer discussed Xbox and where the console is positioned as of January 2022, on top of discussing his current statements about xbox's relationship with activision he also talked more about the series x and s sales in the company's various business models relating to xbox good news series x and s and uh and the platform itself including pc uh are thriving and though he didn't give direct sales numbers he did state that the series uh family of consoles are the fastest selling in xbox history now analyst uh who who was it uh, Daniel uh, Ahmad uh, did some research over at uh, Eurogamer, and he said this would put Xbox Series X and S over 12 million shipped, according to our estimates. The dual SKU strategy has paid off for Microsoft with the supply chain issues and semiconductor shortage. Uh, increased production of S allowed for more Xboxes on shelves if they had only made the X, which we're going to talk more about that later in the episode, but... It's good news for Xbox. I think the original, some people were originally estimating about, what, 7 or 8 million. And, you know, 12 million shipped, that would probably put it at, what, at least 10 million sold, I would say, at least. It would put it around, it would put it around 10 million sold. I mean, these things aren't staying on shelves when they come in. They're, in, they're instantly going out. Like, the only time I've seen them stay around is in those stupid GameStop bundles because nobody wants to spend $800. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, uh, I I think yeah, like you said, the dual SKU model and the Series S being easy to manufacture and more readily available on store shelves, mm-hmm. I think is definitely, especially when you know kids this past holiday season, kids wanted a system, mm-hmm. and the Series S is the best chance you have of getting a new system under the Christmas tree. So I definitely think that helped. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people get Series S's for for the holidays like uh, across my twitter feed it's just like people holding up their boxes people 
you know, showing off their boxes and stuff. And like some people got a series X and they got a series S for their kid or something. And it was like, it was kind of cool to see. It's, mm-hmm. it's strange to see people be excited about Xbox again, you know, like, I mean, I know we were all kind of excited last year, but this year with, especially with like Forza and Psychonauts and Halo and, and stuff like, and then like you know, a lot of upcoming stuff, it's like, man, Xbox really has reasons to be excited again, you know, outside of being like a hardcore Xbox fan. So yeah, good, 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 good on them. It's a great interview. Like everybody should go mm-hmm. read it. It's really good. Um, and uh, I don't I don't know if this is the same the same article or not, but he did an interview with uh, Kara Swisher last week as well. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of this. It was a whole thing over the yeah. New York I think Times. it was part of this too. I think it's in the same yeah. interview. Uh, it, it's it's great. Everyone should go listen to that too. Um, it's that's that's where he uh, he talked about the whole Xbox Live is not a free speech platform. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that we were referencing at the beginning. Uh, that's the interview that this came out of. Um, just some great stuff that he uh, he talked about this week. Yeah. Always like it when Phil talks about the state of the industry and where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. admittedly, like, we know we always joke that uh, Phil Spencer is our Lord and Savior, you know, and he is like a saint among saints in terms of the video game world because he's a celebrity. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when he comes on stage and he's got that kind of, I mean, he doesn't have a swagger, but he's got a way about him that it's like, that's Phil Spencer. That's he's, the man right he's there. He's Xbox's Reggie Fizeme. Really, he really is. I mean, you know, he's he's a little less awkward than Reggie Fizeme. That's fair. But he, you know, yeah, he's, he he's a face that Xbox hasn't had in a long time. I mean, who's the last person that they really had to trot out there from corporate? Peter Moore, Bill yeah, Gates. Yeah, I think Peter Moore was the the only real charismatic only, guy. Yeah, I mean, God, because we don't want to remember Don Matrick. Oh, um, no, we don't. Ooh. We don't want to remember Phil Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there was that weird the guy everybody uh, hires two to year... <laughs> kill their console there was the weird two year stretch where we tried to have Peter Molyneux at things oh god yeah, uh, Jason Jones was never seen publicly for Bungie like there's there's just all these weird things and the stars kind of had to align perfectly for Phil to be the guy but yeah he's he's the Reggie he's the Shuhei he's uh Sean Layden, like he's whoever you want, whoever you want to, you know, put him in the shoes of for these other companies. That's Way to name the two Sony guys that uh, are no longer front facing and are or not part of the company anymore. Well, I certainly <laughs> didn't want to call him Xbox's Jim Ryan because that would be a bad thing. Yeah. So yeah. we already had ours with Don Matrick. Okay, <laughs> we went through this yeah. bullshit about eight years. Those ago. were the dark ages. Oh. Those were the dark ages. Just that awkward. X, the, the awkward move, hand movement that he did when he introduced the Xbox One still makes me cringe every time I see it. Hey, they like, showed God. it. They did the whole thing in the in the in the yeah in the documentary. Documentary, yeah. They Multiple showed it time. <sighs> Multiple times. Actually, I don't know if you've ever heard um, the YouTube channel Skeletons Stop Skeletons from Fighting or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a really good deep dive into that Xbox One release and. You know, he kind of does his own little documentary, but he really delves deeper into that whole fiasco that Xbox was a part of where they tried to double down on the whole entertainment system and Xbox gave people what they wanted. But then all of a sudden the people came back and said, that's not what we want. And Microsoft's like, but, but you you said this is what you wanted. <laughs> so, 
That's a whole other story. Anyway. I mean, here's the thing. You can make your box and entertainment center without making it your main marketing point, you know? Oh, yeah. Like that E3 conference where they talked about games maybe for like five minutes. Yeah. And the rest of it was like, hey, check out. You can watch TV on this thing. TV. 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 Come on, yep. Josh. Join us. TV. Nice. Very nice. subtle. Yeah. I forget where I was going when we talked about Phil Spencer. I tend to kind of uh, lose it when I talk about I mean, about, we all do. It's fine. That's talk what about the show's the man, about. But, yeah. um, but he, no, he understands the core audience, and that's definitely what Microsoft needed because Microsoft being the big tech company that they are, you know, they've always I, – I guess they, I've always felt that maybe kind of fallen a little bit behind on that. Even from the get-go, like, you know, when they first initially made the Xbox, they didn't really know – I guess they were still trying to kind of learn, and 20 years into it, I think they finally got it. I think they finally figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be – it's going to be hard to replace Phil Spencer when he's gone. Although I think there's enough pieces in place that if they if this team sticks together – like I could see Sarah Bond taking over at some point if Phil decides to retire early or like – She would be good. Yeah. Or – I, I mean, it'll it'll probably be Sarah or Matt at this point. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't rule out somebody from Bethesda coming in. I wouldn't yeah. rule out Pete Hines uh, being a more senior person. He's basically running Bethesda at this point. Yeah. So, um, you know, Corey, you you and I talked about this a while back, but it's so refreshing to see like people with visibility over on the Xbox side for once. Like I know. For a long time, we we've talked about how like there are there are names in gaming that when you hear so and so is directing a game or producing a game or writing it, like you immediately get excited. Amy Hennick, uh, Neil Druckmann, Corey Barlog, like those those are a few. I'm on um, Miyamoto, like for decades over at Nintendo, like hell, he's just he's executive producing New Zelda. Hell yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and now over at Xbox, it's like oh, you you have Todd Howard. Like you have, you have Todd Howard bringing his first original universe to Xbox in like 25 years, like since Elder Scrolls. Like this is the guy yeah, who yeah. brought reinvented Fallout. Like this is the guy who made Oblivion and Skyrim and Morrowind and like all these great all these great entries and some of like the best RPGs we've ever played, like Western RPGs. It's just refreshing to be like, oh my god, like th- this guy is making games for Xbox. Shinji Mikami. Works for Xbox now. I know. Like, I know. One of the OGs of Resident Evil. Like you paved yeah, the way for like id Software is is an Xbox studio now. You know, we, it used to be like, oh, the I, Tim Schafer works at Xbox now. Like just the, these great creative minds that like you know that when they put their name on something, it may not be like the greatest thing they've ever done, but it's going to be unique. It's yeah. going to be a different experience than something else out there on the market. Like. I'm just I'm so excited to see where we go from here. Like what what comes next for Xbox? And I think Phil giving these and I, I won't dwell on this long, but I, I think Phil giving these interviews and really kind of like setting the standard over the last several years. Like I see a lot of people go on like, oh, you know, like Phil's a hypocrite. You know, we saw how he talked about Activision Blizzard, and you know, now he's admitting that there there was bad conduct at Xbox. Spoiler alert, there's bad conduct at every single game studio, big or small. I hate to tell you this. This is a misogynistic, racist cesspool of an industry. 
Yes. It really is. It's every entertainment industry is not immune from this. Every, I would go so far to say that most like 95% of companies are not immune from stuff like this. Okay, now are they as bad as Activision Blizzard with a Bill Cosby suite and, you know, the state of California going after them for stuff like this? No, but it's not one extreme or the other. Okay, it's not just like, well, they didn't do Activision things, so it's not as bad. No, they, there were still things that happened there under people's watch. And thank God we have the capacity as adults and as human beings to recognize and re recognize, repair and restore. And it's just I sound like I sound like a third rate motivational speaker at a, an airport holiday Inn right now. But it's it's just it really is that simple. It's that easy. I'd pay and, to go yeah, to your it, TED talks. <laughs> I wouldn't pay to go to my own I, TED talk. I wouldn't pay but, a lot of money, but I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll throw a couple bucks your way. I'll throw the security I, guard five bucks to stand in by, by the exit door. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, hey, thanks, Corey. Right I here. appreciate it. You're welcome. In, in, in case Josh had one too many scotches at lunch. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, honestly, though, going back, to, circling back to your point about yeah, how yeah, many yeah. big names that Xbox just brought on their studios, maybe, you know, for layman people that just, you know, don't know these names, they, it, it could mean nothing to them. But you're right. Those are big names, big titans in the industry that Microsoft has basically in their portfolio right now. And that's a huge deal. And I think that's really what is driving these sales of like Microsoft coming out to say, we got the games, we got the names, we got the studios. This is going to be the place to be for the next 10 years, maybe more. Mm -hmm. So, and like, hopefully, like, these same creators will stay long term and won't just say, okay, well, you know what? We, we got our bag, we're leaving. Um, and I, I don't think that that's the case. I mean, Tim Schafer's here. You know, we, we went through all the names that are, that are here, the guys of the city, yeah. Josh Sawyer is here. Uh, Fergus is here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you the guys at Rare have been here forever. <laughs> they they haven't left, despite popular opinion. Like the same guys that were with Rare uh, when at the time of purchase are still some of the studio heads to this day. Mm -hmm. um, like I and I think something that they've all gotten across that I really respect is saying that Phil in particular, Phil and Matt, just like let them do whatever they want to do. Uh, my, I think my favorite quote came from Brian Fargo over at in, in Exile. Um, I think it was last summer, uh, right around E3 time. It may have been the year before. And he said he had Matt Booty to the studio for them to pitch their next game. And he said, we got about 60 seconds into the pitch and Matt cut us off and said, I don't want to know anymore. We'll fund it. You can do whatever you want. I don't want to know anymore because I don't want to influence the direction you take your idea. I want you to make the game you want to make. I don't want to tell you what to make. And that for me is something that Xbox has missed for like its first, it missed for probably about the first 16, 17 years, mm -hmm. if not yeah. longer. Mm -hmm. Like that is, I mean, that you look at one of the most damning things, I think. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at the development of Halo one and two alone, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Halo one, two and three, you know, you look at how Bungie, you know, deuced out after Halo three. Well, they were yeah. Just, like, yeah, we're, and we're I done. think even like Microsoft gave them like you have to make five Halo games like you yeah. have to because they put all their cards into one basket on that where like Halo is going to be the one to move the systems. And then once they realized they their catalog didn't have much else, you know, they had to think of something else. Mm -hmm. so. I mean, it's so much of the early Xbox days, Xbox days were those key third party partnerships 
with mm-hmm. studios like Bioware, for example. Yeah. You know, we we forget that you know both Knights of the Republic games and Jade Empire were exclusive. We forget Mass they had Effect, the I mean, Auto, even into Mass Effect was exclusive. Yeah. Even into even into the 360, the that you mm-hmm. know uh, Oblivion, you know, came to, to the 360 first. Uh, Gears wasn't even owned by Microsoft until after Epic sold it to them after the third game, right? Yeah. So I mean, even midway through the 360 cycle, they still really had they had what they had Lionhead, they had uh, uh, Turn Ten, and they had Bungie, right? Yeah, like that was. That was Xbox, and now now look. And they bought they Rare. Yeah, they bought yeah. Rare in 2003 and were grabbed by the ghoulies. <laughs> Don't forget Cameo. Uh, Cameo, Perfect, Perfect Dark, Dark Zero, Zero. Dark Nuts Zero, and Bolts. Yeah. Oof, we had a we had a rough stretch there outside of to be fair, Pinata. I liked I liked Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, but it was not a banjo game. <laughs> no, it was it was fun for what it was, but it was not a banjo game. Anyways, Xbox sells a lot of units. That's how we got here. <laughs> I think I think their market in I think the and that's their market in Japan. I know they I think they sold more units in Japan than I think they ever have in their history, and I think that's yeah. really yes. helped yeah, them they, too as well. Yeah, the the Xbox Series consoles outsold the entirety of every other Xbox platform combined within the first year. So that's yeah. uh, I mean, it's still and, pro- and I, it's still I, I like twelve units, is... but. <laughs> Uh, this is a serious S effect, as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. And I mean, we'll we'll talk more about the series S later. But like, really, we cannot overstate how important that has been to the first 12 months of this console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're moving on to another mega purchase. If you want to call it that, Take Two Interactive has purchased Zanga. For twelve point seven billion dollars, take take two interactive. Man, we, we we thought that Bethesda acquisition was a lot of money. Man, like wow. Mm. Take take two interactive. The company behind Grand Theft Auto, Bioshock, Borderlands, NBA Two K, and more has purchased the massive mobile game developer Zynga for a whopping twelve point seven billion dollars, almost twice what Microsoft paid for Bethesda. The mega publisher stated they bought the company to create mobile experiences for their most popular franchises. Zynga is most notably you an- called it notably known for their games Farmville and Words with Friends. Though the company hit financial trouble in the mid 2010s due to the lack of in-game spending and poor managerial decisions. Hmm. I wonder who went there after they left Microsoft. Don Matrick. Don Matrick. Hmm. You just, you, you just. The calls are coming from inside the house, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you break everything you touch. No, uh, I mean this is this is probably like a, hey, we we have a chance to kind of overcome Activision at this point, and w- they have King, so we're gonna buy Zynga, right? I mean that's kind of what this feels like almost. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. This is this is them finally realizing that mobile accounts for way more revenue in the games industry than anybody wants to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a, there was something that some data that Matt Piscatella uh, tweeted out the other day. Uh, if you don't know Matt, he's great with the MPD reporting. He actually mm-hmm. does the reporting releases, the numbers for them. Uh, he said something like 35% of gamers play on a console. 34 are on PC and the remainder are all on mobile. Mm-hmm. Like, or like uh, when gamers were interviewed about where's the primary place they play, like 
some absurd number was on mobile. It was like oh, it was like fifty percent almost. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mobile makes up so much more than you realize. He's like, we think about this in American terms of oh well, we just want to play on consoles and PC. Like you don't realize that like gamers aren't just playing things like Infinity Blade on their phone. It's people who are playing Pokemon Go. It's people who are playing Bejeweled. Uh, hello, I play a lot of Bejeweled on my phone. Uh, it's the people that are playing... Hey, we all have a bathroom game, okay? Yeah, uh, that's it, my it's, bathroom It's game. the soccer moms who are playing Candy Crush. Like, these all count whether you want to admit it or not. The, these all count. These are games. Just because they don't fit in your narrow definition of a game doesn't mean that they're not a game. And you know how long I've played Disney Emoji Blitz? A very long time. Mm-hmm. Josh, I think I've been playing since I've known you, actually. I, I think you have, too, because we bring it up periodically about our bathroom games. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yes, what a mobile game is, the definition is starting to evolve. But I think Take-Two probably looked at this, like like Stoy said, and this is the chance to overcome Activision. This is an opportunity for us to expand our titles into mobile. I would not be shocked to see a GTA mobile. Eventually, they've had those awful ports to the phones for years. I mean, for God's sake, the remasters that we remasters we just got are based <laughs> off the iPhone versions. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that. I wouldn't be shocked to see some free-to-play Red Dead game or and especially 2K, NBA 2K. I can't believe that that's not a mobile money printing machine right now. Yeah, I mean, there is a version, but it's just like, I feel like it exists because they have to compete with stuff like Madden and stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I think this is, like, who, I'm not even talking about it, like, in terms of consumers, but this is a pretty easy win for 2K. Like, people are like, oh, I can't believe they spent that much money. Like, yeah, it's a little shocking until you realize they're going to make all that back in, like, a year and a half, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that. So, if that. If that. Yeah. Because you may not play those games, but the very, very silent majority who doesn't follow every little dick measuring contest on Twitter does play those games. They buy. You've got whales out there. You've got soccer moms who spend a dollar for five more lives periodically. Like, it, it, those dollars add up. Yes, yeah. they do. When you, Yeah, when you think of how these, these companies, like Zynga, I can only imagine, like, makes like millions of dollars a day just on those little microtransactions alone, which, you know, take two sees this as an opportunity to not only obviously pad their income, you know, even mm-hmm. more so, but yeah, moving their properties, like we talked about earlier to that market too, as well, to make even more money, to take advantage of another market. Like how many gamers quote unquote, um, that are playing Grand Theft Auto right now are going to find that there's a really good game mobile version. You know, mm-hmm. like we're talking like a unique gameplay experience, not mm-hmm. just a port of Grand Theft Auto 3 to the iPhone. We're talking like a very unique experience that could even maybe blend the two games together. Uh, same with Red Dead Redemption 2 or uh, NBA 2K. Like imagine, imagine all the possibilities that Take Two are now seeing in front of their eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see, I guess. Uh, but. Man, I hope we get a get a Grand Theft Auto Farmville edition, where you're like running over farmers oh with Corey. Move house. on, I hate you. Move no, you on. Don't. No, you don't. All right, so those are the those are the major stories. We're gonna we're gonna head to the wrap up. Uh, Sega is opening a new studio in Japan called Sega Sapporo Studio, led by the Fantasy Star Online Two producer uh, Takaya Sagawa. 
this studio is intended to develop and deliver high-quality AAA titles and serve as a second development base for the company. Uh, Sagawa stated that he wants to lead the studio that, quote, strives to provide and move uh, provide a moving experience for customers and to create a studio that values its staff. Not much else known uh, is known about the project and the studio will be that the studio will be working on. Uh, next, uh, it seems that Killer Instinct may be making a comeback if recent rumors are to be believed. In a recent article over at Windows Central from Jez Corden, it seems that Microsoft is working with Bandai Namco to deliver uh, to develop a new entry to the series. Thanks for the heads up for that, Josh. You tweeted that. Is that you... his real name, Jez? What kind of name is yeah. that, Jez? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm one to talk, but still. <laughs> what kind of name is Stoy? I know. Just, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, thanks for the heads up on that, Josh. That was a that was a good tweet or DM that you DM me for that. Uh, Microsoft has always shown to uh, remote interest in returning to the fighting franchise, and recently Phil Spencer discussed as much on an episode of the Drop Frames podcast. Uh, Killer Instinct originally released in 1994 in arcades and ported to the Super Nintendo. A second game was also released, and a gold version made its way to the Nintendo 64 in 1996. The most recent game, also titled Killer Instinct, uh, released on the Xbox One in November of 2013. This... Uh, just for a split second here, this feels like the easiest slam dunk you could possibly do if you're Microsoft. Mm -hmm. I get that finding fighting talent is really, really difficult. There's like maybe three or four teams and they're all tied up on things. Like the team at Iron Galaxy who worked on this probably are no longer there at this point. And their new fighter looks terrible. Like Mm -hmm. it sounds and looks awful. Yeah. Uh, and outside of that, I mean, like, you've got, what, NetherRealm, and you've got NetherRealm, you've got the Street Fighter team, and you've, you've got, got Arc- Bandai Namco, and you've Arc got System Works. Arc Systems. Yeah. Yeah. And Arxis is, Arxis is not going to work on an Xbox game. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. they're not making an Xbox exclusive. I mean, they wouldn't they're, work on anything working, that remotely looked like Killer Instinct. <laughs> they're they're going to they're gonna make a My Hero Academia fighter this year. Um, <laughs> and Bandai Namco has but, shown that they obviously can do really well with, uh, they've done various anime titled games, like even with uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Like, I mean, they know. were the main support studio on the last couple Smash games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, technically still, to, like, quietly one yeah. of the biggest fighting games still it's just like this is this is a kind of a no-brainer partnership they've been getting closer with bandai namco um over the last several months i mean there was all that speculation that scarlet nexus was going to be a day one game pass game ended up not being but came a couple months later tales of rise was pushed really hard on xbox it's just this is a really i think this is a really solid partnership and it's probably the only team that's available that you're not having to start from scratch Combine this with the fact that see them to do this, yeah. They just hired away one of the senior people at NetherRealm at the end of last year to come be a producer at Xbox Game Studios. Mm -hmm. This this feels like this is going to be one of the things, and it was somebody who's been with the with NetherRealm since the Midway days. Mm -hmm. So I I want the the writing (laughs) is on the wall. The calls are coming from inside the house. Imagine, (laughs) Josh. I know we kind of talked about this the other day, but like if. If WB Games was really for sale and they bought more like NetherRealm and Mortal Kombat and they could just do a Mortal Kombat versus Killer Instinct game, that that would be cool. I don't know that Phil would ever allow it though because of how hyper violent Mortal Kombat is, and he, I think Phil wants something that comes down in the middle between, and this is what I very much feel Killer Instinct 2013 was, that comes down between the goofiness of Smash Brothers and the seriousness of Mortal Kombat. I see. Yeah. I always thought I I've. 
honestly, I've never really played or paid attention to Killer Instinct because I'm just not into fighting games. I only know mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat because it's so ridiculous and Street right. Fighter because it's so popular. But like, I always thought Killer Instinct was along the same lines as Mortal Kombat. Is it not? No, I mean Mortal Kombat not... is Mortal yeah. Kombat is borderline adults only with its violence yeah. and blood. There are no fatalities or anything like that. Like in terms of. Uh, you know what Mortal Kombat has, but uh, you know it was it had very brutal combo focused combat that Mortal Kombat didn't have at that time. Oh, okay. I, see, so I didn't we're know talking. That. S- I always talking assumed. some brutal, some brutal fighting combos, and I and I think honestly, combo systems that games have to this day owe it to Killer Instinct because I remember just like you know cramming, you know button mashing the hell out of it, you know having these patterns and just knocking out like twenty hit combos. And Killer Instinct, feeling like a badass, you know. Okay. And it's, I, I think fighting games now really owe it to Killer Instinct. I mean, it may be called Killer Instinct in the future, but it's pretty clearly going to have the Killer Instinct roster and probably some more original characters, plus just a whole plethora of Microsoft and Bethesda characters. Hmm. Like, you're going to tell me you don't want to see uh, the power armor suit from Fallout fighting against Yago? From Killer well, Instinct, the like, okay. I mean, Battletoads, yeah. General yeah. Rom, Arbiter, we're all Rom. on the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, like, you you can take it so much farther. Like, will Banjo-Kazooie be the first character to be in both this and Smash? Mm. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, That feels like the easiest yes of all time. But I think it's purely for reasons like that that you're not going to see this be on the level of, like, Mortal Kombat in terms of violence. Okay. Nobody wants to see Banjo-Kazooie well, get decapitated if you're trying to sell this to a child. Okay. Well, that's no, that's my mistake, then. I always thought Killer Instinct was along the same lines as Mortal no, Kombat. No, no. No. It just, I mean, it just always looked like that from, like, the art and stuff. But it's on Game Pass, right? The deluxe edition or oh, whatever yeah. it is. So I... Yeah. I Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I'll just download it and see what it's about. Because, like, I, I just never... <laughs> I, I enjoyed the newest one for what it's worth. I think the classic ones are on, on Game Pass as well. Yeah. Yes. I don't care about those. I want the newest one. No, the newest one is really good. It's, really good. It's very good. I was yeah. shocked that it came... When it came out free at the launch, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of weird. Like, charging per fighter. And then it was like, well, this actually was kind of a good idea. Mm-hmm. they had it where like there was a different free fighter every couple days that mm-hmm. you could play as to like try everybody out yeah mm-hmm. oh, it, was, it was a cool experimental idea that i think would have been perfect for game pass but obviously came out like eight years before right so all right moving moving on to our next uh wrap-up story after being rumored for over a week the highly anticipated xbox timed exclusive stalker 2 has officially been delayed out of april as confirmed by the official twitter account for the game in the tweet Developer uh, GSC Game World stated that the delay, they delayed the title to December eighth, twenty twenty two, and that the decision quote decision was not made was not an easy one. Uh, they also said that they believe that quote development should take as long as necessary, especially in the case of such a project. Not take all the time you need. Yep. Uh, yep. And that three month window is or that time exclusive is only a three month window, so that's. As of the last documents we saw that were leaked from the Epic case, I think after the positive reception that I got at E3 last year, Microsoft probably tried to shore this up as a long-term exclusive. Yeah. And I mean, after the NFT bullshit we just went through with this game a couple weeks ago, which I think, yes, there was a lot of public pressure, but Phil also, I think, called them and was like, hey, cut this shit out. Yeah. Um, like, we'll terminate your agreement because he's made it really clear he's not about that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I think the only question remaining now is, and obviously we don't have to get into it, but just something kind of to ponder over the next few weeks is, where does this leave Xbox's slate of exclusives between now and E3? Because it's kind of dire now. I mean, I think that's why they've made. There's been a bunch of Game Pass deals being made. Oh, hundred percent. You know. And it's like, well, this is great now. What do we do when we're out of January? The January has probably been one of the best months ever for yeah. Game Pass. Mm. Oh, like, yeah. what do you do for the players that don't have it? You have Crossfire X and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the Top Gun DLC. If Top Gun actually comes out in March or in May, excuse me, <laughs> is that yeah. when the movie's supposed to come out? Jeez, I almost forgot about that. Oh, they, it's been pushed they... back for two and a half years. Every oh, six geez. months they delay it. It's probably going to get delayed again, though. So they want it in the theaters, and I don't think that movie has the cachet to hit like to hit theaters the way they want it to. But not not post pandemic. Yeah, but it's no Spider Man. Nothing is Spider Man. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Uh, is Age of Empires four coming to Xbox? It seems so, as Twitter uh, user and leaker. At a Lumia Italia, an, uh, an account who follows the Xbox ecosystem pretty closely, discovered a tag in the Insider Hub for Xbox uh, Insider's program named Cardinal. For those unaware, Cardinal was the internal code name for Age of Empires 4 at World's End and Relic, the co-developers of the game. Although there is no other indication that the game will make its way to Xbox, it does seem more likely of a when than an if at this point. be interesting to see how they do it. Yeah. I mean, it's Halo Get some Wars. Of the people who worked on Halo Wars. Yeah, yeah. Halo, well, uh, Sega also worked on Halo Wars too. I mean, Creative Assembly could probably map that gamepad pretty easily. You know, I mean, I know Halo Wars two is way simpler than Age of Empires, but who was the studio that ported um, uh, Divinity: Original Sin two to the to the systems? Oh, I mean, that game was a Virtuous, nightmare maybe? to play on PC, was much less you know mapping it to a controller. <laughs> Um, that's a great question. I'm not really sure off the top of my head. Uh, but I mean, you know, it, it's possible to say, you know, like there's studios out there that can do this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I mean, Relic was a code developer, right? So, I mean, Creative Assembly is also owned by Sega. So, I mean, they could, I mean, you know, take some yeah. pointers from their own internal teams. Uh, the last story on the wrap-up, State of Decay 2 is getting more content this year, almost four years after the game uh, initially released. In a third game well into development, Undead Labs has announced that State of Decay 2 will continue to read multiple content updates. These updates will rework infestations, making them more dangerous but more rewarding, updating the game's UI and, making, and make objectives more clear to players uh, while tweaking some of the survival elements to make the game feel better. All these changes are due to community feedback. Uh, this tells me that State of Decay 3 is way further out than I than originally anticipated, I think. so. Uh, that's it. I've always been meaning to go back into the State of Decay 2. I really had a good time with it. And I, I don't know. Maybe now's a good time. Well, that Juggernaut edition is uh, optimized for Series X and S now. Yeah. So. Sick. I wonder if they're doing, like... This is probably the wrong way to phrase it, but practicing do these updates to make the third game better out the gate, you know, like better UI, mm. better survival elements, making objectives more clear. Like these all seem like things that they could that they're trying to implement into two now. So when three launches, it's not they don't have a state of decay one to two type of, you know, kerfluffle. Right. Because I think that was the big thing is like, well, 
State of Decay 1 is charming because it's janky, but now you have Microsoft's full budget behind it and you're charging $60 for it. And it still feels janky and unfinished and hard to I mean, decipher it, it, where it, we're going. It's, it's perfect because it's kind of beta testing. Yeah. You know, try out the features on the previous game and, you know, see how it works. Yeah. I'm for it. Yeah. Well, that's all the news. We're going to move on to our segment called Pass It On, where we talk about what's coming to Game Pass next week. And, oh, boy, is this a doozy story. Yeah. We got got a surprise, obviously, that uh, just popped up, I think, last week. But, uh, you know, we have uh, Nobody Saves the World. This is made by the Guacamelee developers. I can't wait for this. This I have been eagerly anticipating painting this since it got revealed last year it looks what so unique get. it's it's like a top-down action rpg where yeah. you take on the role of many many characters and all with their own different special abilities it looks i mean the art it just looks amazing mm-hmm. looks so cartoony the animation like this studio really nails it with kind of like the it's not cell shading but it's like Having a it's very, very distinct. Color it's a very distinct. It's kind style. of a hybrid between you know like traditional top down and cell shading though. It yeah, kinda, and then kind of like comic art style. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Binding of Isaac, a little bit. Yeah, but uh, like I would cleaner. say Binding of Isaac or like Hollow Knight, but top down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah, I would say more Hollow Knight. Kind of like it looks like hand drawn, I guess. But this I is mean, also. However, oh, sorry, sorry. I I was gonna say, however you cut it, it just looks amazing. That's yeah. All. This is Xbox first also, right? Like it's a uh, this, yeah, this is this is a timed exclusive on Xbox. For, That's what I'm saying. Like this is a huge get. Yeah, because for, Guacamelee yeah. and Guacamelee 2 started out like Guacamelee at least was one of the one of the first like real indies that PlayStation mm-hmm. pushed last generation. Yeah. And, and it was on PS Plus and all this. Like I remember playing through it on my Vita. And, and drink, loving it. And Drinkbox made a name for themselves for making not one, not two, but three Vita exclusives that i mean they were all later ported obviously but like you had mutant blobs attack you had severed like these were vita games vita games so yeah it's it's pretty great this is their first game in four years i'm really excited to see how this is yeah let me tell you the next game let me tell you about the next game that you're going to be even more excited for if you do you like taking pictures of your dogs i do well then, there's a I game don't have for dogs, you. But I do. But there's a game for you now, called Paparazzi. Ooh. <laughs> this is I'm coming actually, out on January 20th. I'm very excited for this. <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, I think this got announced in one of uh, the Xbox features. I think last year, where I was like, "That's yes. game of the year 2022 already." <laughs> where it's like basically you have dogs in like various different settings. You can dress them up. You can put hats on them, and you can take pictures of them. And then you have different quests like, oh, take a picture of your dog with a hat with like other dogs in the background. You can make them sit. You can make them roll over. You can make them do all sorts of things like, come on. This is the feel good game I need, especially after one of the other ones that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, no, this is uh, I don't know if this is a timed exclusive or not, but uh, or if it's I, I, I don't think it's uh yeah, I, I really don't think it is. But, um, yeah, this is coming out on uh, on the 20th as well. But we also have uh, Windjammers. Now, mm-hmm. this is an interesting game, too. Um, this is... It's it, it's like a competitive it's something. It's like disc tennis. Yeah. But, like... Have you never played Windjammers, Stoy? No, I, I've never played Windjammers. What? <laughs> but 
I, I knew so many people that played it because, like, I think this was like Dreamcast exclusive for a long time. Ah, oh, man, it was right? also was really it? popular in the arcade. Yeah, that's, that's where I pay, played it. I but didn't know it came to Dreamcast. It kind of reminds me of like, yeah, a extreme competitive tennis slash frisbee slash super dodgeball stylings, but uh, you know, same kind of really cool anime looking color palette. But yeah, like that's cool. Cool. That's coming out. That that's coming out on the twentieth as well. You got Rainbow Six Extraction. Ooh. The new game mode that's coming out where uh, you're part of the Rainbow Six team and apparently aliens have just sprouted up from the ground. Mm, gooey aliens. And it started affecting everything. Yeah. And you have to actually extract people. Mm -hmm. It's like the alien, that first alien in Men in Black that, you know, yeah. blows up blue goop all over the guys. Except this goop is purple. Well, yeah, like this is kind of like it's a very unique, different mode for Rainbow Six because Rainbow Six in in its history has never gone this far in terms of um, like science fiction. You yeah. know, it, it, Rainbow Six does have a, like a very minor kind of like futuristic elements, but like this deep into science fiction and like, you know, monsters and stuff like that. I mean, there's boss fights in Rainbow Six Extraction that you have to deal with in terms of you know, fighting with your co-op partners. But yeah, this is like a, this isn't like a multiplayer mode. This is kind of like more like a, kind of like a terrorist hunt slash, uh, go in with your team of four people, extract the hostage, fight your way out, fight for survival, stuff like that. So uh, that's coming out on the 20th as well. And then you got the original Hitman trilogy. This is what I'm most excited for. Mm. Coming out on the 20th as well. So now I encourage everyone to play this trilogy. This is, mm -hmm. this is all the, is this includes all the DLC for one and two, correct? Yeah, I think and then yeah, it should be everything that's currently released. Yeah, not the not the year two stuff they just announced no, for it, Hitman Three, year, yeah, but year everything two for up three to that now. point, yeah. right? Yep. So that's cool. That's I gotta tell you, man. You I gotta give it to IO for with this series, right? Like they've just persisted, and like Hitman Two was really good, and now Three is, was just like a phenomenon this year. And the way they've integrated the first two games into the third game for this huge package is just like, man, they 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 have something really special here, and it like makes me really excited for that 007 game they're working on. I know. Oh my yeah. god, I forgot that was their. Forgot next about game. that too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good <clears throat> god. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and, and that's a cool thing because like when you when you play as Hitman Three. You have access to Hitman One and Two, but obviously you had to play those individually. So like you fire up Hitman Three, and it's like one big hub, like to fire up the other Hitmans. But now, you know, you get access to both of them for free, or not not for free technically, but mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, yeah, this is obviously coinciding with all the other systems releases. But you know, if you want to, if you're saving money, Xbox is the place to be. Xbox. Yeah. That's how we do. That's how we do. That's what they. But that's what they tell me. Xbox yeah. is uh, doing some things. They say. Oh no! Kingdom Hearts Three is gone. Oh no! Oh, Darn! No. Darn! It's all right. I bought it. We're good. Wow! I, I can keep lucky playing. You. I like Kingdom well, Hearts, sir. Good for you. I good don't. for you. Well, that's fine. Let's that's move fine. on before we get into my obsession with Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> that I rarely talk about because of this exact conversation that I just stopped. 
We're going to move on to our topic. You let me talk about Mass Effect all the time. But I mean, people like Mass Effect. I mean, Mass Effect is good, though. People yeah, like Mass Effect. People don't like people that like Kingdom Hearts. People don't like Donald and Goofy being useless. Hey, If you could figure out a title system for your games and a numbering system, it is. I'm all for it. Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2, and Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, and, really? And the prequel, Birth by Sleep. Oh, not 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 uh, you know, Kingdom Hearts three, Onyx Phoenix two point eight, hey. a prelude to a dream sequence hey. of uh, Latter Day Saints. Hey, Kingdom Hearts. What the Heart- hell kind of title King- is that? Latter Day Saints. <laughs> <laughs> Look, King- what, what that Kingdom Hearts. But- <laughs> Kingdom Hearts two point eight, final chapter prologue is a nice prequel to to episode to Kingdom Hearts three. Okay. Sure. Fine. <laughs> All right. Our Fine. topic of the show is uh, Xbox Series S versus the PlayStation four. Uh, recent reports state that to meet demand of new consoles and slow their console shortage, PlayStation is going to continue pr- to produce the PlayStation 4 into 2022, whereas the Xbox stopped producing the Xbox Ones in 2020. Does this mean Xbox made the right decision to make two consoles this generation instead of one? Hmm. I think the easy answer still... is yes. Oh, Okay. I, yeah, I, I, I guess I have, I have trouble figuring out why we need an Xbox Series S. Because when you look at the numbers and the performance numbers of the Xbox One X versus the Xbox Series S, there's not much of a performance jump. I, not enough to justify gamers out there to spend another three hundred dollars well, just to get a minor upgrade. I think I think it depends on which box you're upgrading from plus what you're looking for in your games though, right? Cuz like I watched that Digital Foundry video which I know we kind of talked about before the yeah. show like I know we wanted to bring it up at some point and this seems like the right place to bring it up. Like the 1X the games look better on the 1X. Yeah. Like no question, right? But if you want the frame rate and the loading and just that kind of stuff, the Series S is the winner. Uh, for sure. But I think a lot of people who bought the one X are the hardcore Xbox fans and are the ones who are going to buy the series X, right? I think the series S is for the people who never upgraded from the original Xbox one. Maybe they play Madden and their kids play Fortnite and Minecraft on it. Right. And in call of duty, whatever. Like, I think that's what the series S is for. It's for the people who, or, you know, for me who has a hooked up in his office, cause I need an Xbox in every room. Um, <laughs> but you that's know that's why you host an xbox podcast it's true that's fair uh but i i just i think the s is replacing a different console than the series x right i think the the series s is replacing the original and the in the one s whereas the the series x is replacing the one x um you know, I uh, again, like I think the Series S is a nice holdover if you can't find a, a one a Series X. Uh, but also, I think it's I think it depends on what you're looking for. I think if you want uh, frame rate and loading times, I think the Series S is a very viable console if you only play one or two games a year, or you just want to play the exclusives. And uh, one of the other consoles is your primary console, right? I think it's a totally totally serviceable box for that. I think the Series S has a lot of utility as a box for people who want to just, like you said, dip in for the exclusives, check out what's new on Game Pass, 
um, or who, you know, they buy those two or three games a year, like the people who are guaranteed to buy every Madden or every NBA 2K game who don't necessarily care about having like the best and biggest machine because that's all they booted up for. Mm-hmm. And then they play free to play games. Otherwise, like it's it's a machine for kids. Also, like your kids want to. There's a reason why Fortnite and Rocket League DLC and credit packs were bundled with it over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Like, it is because those are the kinds of people who are going to go and play on these consoles. Those are the kind of kids. Like, $300 for a box that can do 4K streaming, that can do... it can It's capable of doing the 120 frames. Like, mm-hmm. that's a steal. Yeah. That, that's an absolute steal. I, lo- I love having mine in the bedroom, personally. We use it as a Netflix box a lot, sure, but my girlfriend plays Sea of Thieves on it with zero complaints. Zero complaints. Mm-hmm. And... We went from having uh, the Halo 5 Xbox One and a 1S to having the Series X and Series S, respectfully. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's been totally night and day for us. But, like, I enjoy having the X because I want I want my disk drive. I want to be able to play my 4K Blu-rays. I guess my struggle that I come with is I think the Series S is great right now. I think in about a year and a half, you're going to start facing problems. Mm-hmm. Well, it was my it's... initial concern. Uh, sorry, Josh, just to just to interject what you just said, like when we had a discussion, I think it was on the Boss Rush podcast at one point, like right when I started playing Guardians of the Galaxy in like November, I think, like at the beginning of November, before they patched <clears throat> before they patched it on the Series S, it was the f- and, and I know that Microsoft games are always going to be optimized for both platforms, right? Like that's that's yeah. the goal, right? And indie games are going to run fine. But Guardians of the Galaxy didn't it did not have a it a performance or or a quality mode for the series s and i was like mm-hmm. i was like oh man this is it was the first time i realized that like like the series s in about i would say like two or three years is not going to be a viable console for the future right it's a nice box to have now to jump start next gen to say to boost their sales numbers or whatever it's a nice streaming box like my nephews want an xbox series s because they want to. They're the Fortnite Minecraft kids, right? Yeah. Like that, that's what they want to play, uh, Rocket League. Uh, but you know, if if it's a great in between or second or yeah. third, even third option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I struggle with this regularly. What I've preferred for them to have gone the PlayStation Five route and just given us a digital Series X. And I think in the short term they made, and obviously they weren't planning for this with a pandemic in mind. They were planning this before 2020 happened. We had leaks about this back in the summer of 2019, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this was something that clearly was in the works for a long time. I think it works good as a stopgap. The pandemic, I think, is what kind of saves it from being a disaster. Um, otherwise, that you would see most people probably going to the X. Um, once I you start th- seeing performance boosts with a lot of their games, once you start yeah. embracing next gen and this, the people are going to start to find the series S just can't keep up with, I think, you know, I think the first real test for the series S is going to be the next Forza motorsport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if that comes out this year, I'm not going to say Starfield because Bethesda games have never been like super taxing on consoles. Um, yeah. and I, we don't, we just don't know how creation engine two is going to run on it yet. Um, I would say that Forza, and if not Forza, then you're going to have a whole slew of exclusives next year because Microsoft is done with the cross-gen stuff. Mm-hmm. All major, t- like, they're going to have a couple smaller games. Like, we know Josh Sawyer's game is probably coming out this year. Um, the game from Interior Night as Dusk Falls, like the narrative game. Those will still be cross-gen, 
but Starfield, Redfall, and Forza are next-gen only. And good. I think the series, yeah, that, that's great. I think the Series S is a really good way to handle that. The only reason I think the Series S is still a good move for Microsoft is they've invested so much in the cloud architecture that they can run these games well. Like Flight Sim actually looks amazing on the Series S. I, I, I played it on there. It's, it makes my console sound like a jet engine. So I'm really <laughs> getting the full experience, but it works on there. And we're seeing even some of these older games be able to work through cloud on Game Pass on Xbox One even. So it, I think this kind of comes back to the whole philosophy of Phil, like when everybody can play, we all win. And I think that part of that isn't just, oh, let's put our games on as many platforms as possible and in as many places as possible. Let's make it as affordable as possible, too, because you can sit here and say, oh, well, you can do cloud gaming for $15 a month on Game Pass. The reality is in most of the U.S., it's not going to be stable enough to sit there and play an ultra long RPG like Starfield mm -hmm. or something like the Mass Effect trilogy. Like, I wouldn't want to play that entire trilogy on my iPad or on my laptop. Mm -hmm. just straight up I, I i wouldn't want to do that but when i can pick it up and take it on the go to do a quest or two while i'm waiting in the airport or waiting in a doctor's office like I, I was running strikes on my phone when i was on vacation when i was sitting in the airport um in destiny like that that, that was great and i think we're gonna as we see the evolution of cloud gaming we specifically have to see america's cloud infrastructure and 5g networks and gigabit fiber like roll out to more than just the big cities when you see that in the next 18 to 24 months, I think that's going to lower the demand for the Series S. And we're going to shift to much more of a cloud infrastructure. But I do think they have the leg up there because restarting the factories up for PS4s, that's, they're only going to produce like four or five million. That's a rounding error for Sony. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's all it is. This, this is a console that's already sold like 115, 116 million units worldwide. What's another four million, spending up for another four million? The difference is they, their games this year are all planned to be cross-gen all the way up to God of War Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, well, and that's always been Sony's uh, problem is that they've been slow to like fully jump over to the next gen. Like, I mean, look at how long PlayStation two lasted when the PlayStation three was going. I mean, God Even, of War like, two, I, I think the PS2, God of War two is like the, was a, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say God of War two was like their big title in 2006. And that was the year after yeah. the console came out, you know? Or yeah. 2007 or something and it's it's not as simple as saying like oh well you know oh they're they're porting these games over to ps4 and that's why they're taking so long to come out like no these games are developed with ps4 in mind mm -hmm. like I mean, when god of war ragnarok went into development years ago when horizon went into development when gran turismo 7 they were all planned <laughs> for ps4 and ps5 i hate to break mm -hmm. that to you guys well, but that's how game development works i mean horizon horizon forbidden west was planned to be a ps4 only game until they decided like hey you know they made that executive change yeah. and everything and they're like hey we should probably start looking to see if we can implement some sort of ps5 features into this game like you know better frame rate and i think a lot of that has to do with porting the old games to pc as well like yeah what, what i do find funny is that we just had we had three ps5 exclusives last year they're not going to any other platform now we're going to have three cross-gen games this year which is just it the messaging feels a little muddied to me because i have some friends who are now are like oh, I went through all this to get a PS5, and now these games are going to be playable on my old PS4. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. but that's the thing is you already got PS5. You're going to play the ideal version of these games. Mm -hmm. You're going to play not what... much better, you know, but it's still, I mean, yeah, PS4, the more ideal. Version. If you're going from a base PS4 to a PS5, that's a pretty that's big a huge jump. jump. Yeah, that's huge. Because that's what they went. 
experience. I only ever ever had a base PS4. I never had a Pro. Mm -hmm. And going to the 5, I was like, oh my god. Like, even PS4 games on it, it was just... Ghost of Tsushima was night and day compared to what I had seen even on a PS4 Pro. Yeah. So... I don't know necessarily that one of these... I, it feels like on paper, yes, the Series S is better than the PS4, but I don't know if I'm really ready to jump. Like, I think it really comes down to how is Microsoft's slate this year optimized versus how are the PS4 versions of those games optimized? Because I'll tell you right now, God of War, Horizon, and Gran Turismo are going to make your PS4s sound like they're launching into space, and they pro- <laughs> there will probably be some overheating problems. I mean, to be yeah. fair, but, God of War and, and Horizon, the first games... <laughs> made my playstation 4 sound like it like i had my i was playing god of war and like where i had it i had to cut the back off of our entertainment center because it got so hot that my playstation 4 just shut down yeah yeah i I had that problem with uh my friend he had an old ps4 and playing ghost tsushima like you you want to like stand in the woods or stand in this like open plain and just hear the wind and stuff like that but you can't hear the wind because you hear the sound of the damn playstation 4 fan going like crazy yeah, yeah. I I in I I think there's merits to both, but I mean, like gun to my head, I would say I think that the Series S was probably a pretty good, even if it's a short-sighted move. Um, yeah. I mean, Sony's literally putting PS4s out because there's so much demand to play their games, and with Horizon, with Gran Turismo, with God of War coming out, like people are gonna they're not gonna want to wait. And I empathize with those people. That's why I rushed out and got a PS5 was because I was thinking Horizon was going to come out last fall. And while I'm not the biggest fan, I wanted to get to it. I hadn't played Ghost of Tsushima. I hadn't played Miles Morales. Hell, I hadn't even finished the first Spider-Man game when I had sold my PS4 uh, shortly after God of War. Mm-hmm. But getting to go back and play those and like getting to play Deathloop, like, cool, my PS5 has largely gathered dust for the last few months. But I'm looking forward to dusting it off and going out. Like, there are several third-party games that are ps5 only and that that's the point we're at in this cycle COVID or not you know 14 months 14 almost 15 months into this now i'm sorry like we we have to start putting out those titles that are next gen only like there are more than 10 million of each console in households right now there's no reason why we can't start shifting to next gen only games Mm -hmm. and honestly yeah that's a staggering number yeah but you can it's a staggering number, and I mean, I guess I, I guess I sound a little bit callous saying this as an Xbox fan because selfishly I'm like, well, there's there's like six months for you to get as many Xboxes out as possible before, at minimum, before Redfall is ready, and we even heard that may get delayed now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Xbox's big thing is like just really trying to get as many of those consoles in home, get cloud infrastructure running. Because everything has to be ready for Starfield. Mm-hmm. And you've got about nine months to get it ready for Starfield. Assuming Starfield makes it out this year. There is still a very real chance that gets delayed. But with Stalker now Stop getting bumped also... Stop talking so negatively. <laughs> it's coming. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be realistic. Like I know. I'm just teasing. <laughs> we, we've impacted game development so much right now. Like God of War is a long shot to make it out this year at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um the only things that we know for sure that are making it are Horizon and Gran Turismo because those are less than eight weeks away. Yeah. So, it, you know, you look at it that way, and at least I would say with the Series S, you're still getting to play those next-gen experiences when they come. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. if there's a third-party game that is next-gen only, you're still getting to experience that. Over on the other side of things, if you get a PS4 just as a stopgap, cool, you'll be able to play Horizon. You'll be able to play Gran Turismo. 
you're still going to miss out on Ghostwire. You're still going to miss out on Forspoken. You're mm-hmm. still not going to be able to play, you know, Returnal, which came out last year. You can't play the new Ratchet and Clank. Like, you're still going to miss out. It's, it's Final a Fantasy 16. Gap, I don't think <laughs> Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, yeah. whenever that comes well, how, out. Yeah, how many um, people were upset when they found out, like, they weren't releasing a Ratchet and Clank for the PlayStation 4? You know, that like, still blows my mind. That still yeah. blows my mind that that of all the games, that's the one that didn't make it out for the. I thought for sure Gran Turismo Seven would be a PS5 exclusive, and it's not. Mm-hmm. I was hoping. I'm shocked. I was, I was hoping it would be. Yeah. I'm absolutely. Just, but I want I, I want that hates. game to take full advantage of the PlayStation Five architecture, and it's not. But and that's you, why I'm hopeful that Forza Horizon Motorsport was. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah. I think I. You look at Forza Horizon though. I mean, that game looks that game looks really good on the Series X, and it's a cross-platform game, you know. Yeah. And I think I think it would right. be easier to take. I, I think it would be easier to make something like Gran Turismo, like a closed circuit racer, right? Not an open world one to make it look great on both consoles, right? Like, I mean, I don't. I feel you're, like you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, ultimately, I. I, I think, you know, even just talking about this thing, I think a good two-year uh, life cycle for Xbox Series S will be good. I know I, Microsoft likes to come out with, like, a, obviously a mid-gen console. I think... Uh, when the mid-gen through. refresh happens, yeah. it's gone. And I, and I think that's when they're going to phase out the Series S and maybe bring out a digital-only Series X-type platform or uh, type of hardware. Oh, where I, I think they'll bring t- it out, and by then the components will be cheaper, and that's yeah. when you get your 299 yeah, and, and, and I think X. that's when we yeah. see them stop, basically, with the Series S, and then get that like kind of well, like little jump and boost. Well, that's when the Series X becomes the Series S, right? And then whatever's after that, the Series XL or whatever it's going to be called, right, is going to be the new Premier Box, right? I, I Series like, XL? <laughs> I don't I mean, I don't know what it's going to be called. I hope it's called the XL. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Microsoft, come on. Take I hope the it's the actual size of the mini yeah. fridge now. Yeah. 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 I'm kidding. I mean, it's still smaller than the PlayStation 5, but... <laughs> I haven't even measured it yet. I wonder if it is. I... But, yeah, the, um, that would be the, yeah, that would be interesting. I am still, like... The other day, I had, I've had the PlayStation 5 in a cart twice the last week and a half and i just didn't pull the trigger i'm not ready well and and see and and that's the thing like honestly if you have if you're still complaining that you can't find a next gen system now a playstation 5 or a series x you're just not trying yeah yeah you can't walk into a walmart and just find one in the display case but you so many people have so many different opportunities to find one it's just a matter of you know get getting into a new habit of like you know, checking online stores, finding out when they drop, you know, yeah, getting in, getting it in your cart. Like so many people, I knew a guy that bought four of them over the Christmas holiday, mm-hmm. you know, for like various members of his family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's yeah. possible. I mean, I, possible. I mean, I, I found one for Stephanie in block. Right. So, I mean, like in, within the last couple of weeks was a block. Yeah. I forget who it was. It was Stephanie and someone else, but like they're not. Why can't Stephanie buy her own systems? <laughs> I mean, she Pat, she bought Pat it. I just sent her. I just sent her the link. I just sent her the link. Okay. Technically, I didn't send her the link. I sent the Discord a link, and she clicked on it. But you know, that's okay. All right. Semantics. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I still want like a digital PS5 though. I'm still waiting for that. Oh God, I want to get rid of my digital PS5. I'm Josh, ready to go back to a disc. If you find a disc one, Josh, and you buy it, 
please tell me because I will take the digital one off your hands. Ah, uh, done, done. I have real. I I just realized I'm not willing to gamble seventy dollars away on a game that I don't know if I'll like. Yeah, and that's yeah. fair. So, well, it's gonna. Yeah. I mean, the PlayStation Five is gonna. That's be the whole it. reason I haven't played Returnal yet. It's never dropped below fifty dollars digitally, and I'm not. I'm not paying fifty dollars for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't only, think it's worth fifty dollars, honestly. I'm only <laughs> no. I'm only playing the exclusives, right? Like I'm only playing Ghosts. I'm only playing. Or Ghost and and Horizon and God of War and Uncharted like those are the games that I want to play on PlayStation, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe Ratchet. So, Ken, yeah, I, Josh, I gotta give a I gotta give a shout out, Kenna, Bridge of Spirits, man. Yeah, I that that game is amazing. I mean, yeah, uh, well, Kenna and Final Fantasy and uh, Forspoken are also on the list. So, I mean, there's yeah. games that I want to play on PlayStation, and it's just gonna be like. The exclusive box for me just like the switch is an exclusive box right i mean mm-hmm. so i i think circling back to is there a reason to have a series s and i i think i forget if it was josh or Corey that said it right at the beginning if you're coming from an original xbox to a series s yes that is going to be a significant jump for you in terms of performance mm-hmm. and you know specifications but if you're coming from an xbox one x which historically that's been the kind of more hardcore gamer that does that kind of mid-generation upgrade mm-hmm. to a series s it's almost like not worth it you're not going to mm-hmm. see that much of a difference you'll see the frame rate boost you'll see the load times you know increase dramatically which for some people that's enough mm-hmm. that really is enough and oh, yeah. admittedly we even to this day we haven't seen a big graphical jump well, from I, I think the last with- generation to this generation and We're I don't think like, really oh, we have a lot of places to go in terms of a graphical upgrade. Mm-hmm. I think a lot I, of I think, I think one big thing that we haven't talked about with the Series S, like just like real quickly, that I know makes a difference, at least in my circles, where a lot of us play, we play a lot of Destiny and a lot of Halo and things like that, is that on Series S and Series X, as well as PS5, you have the field of view slider now on consoles. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that on even the One X anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't have that at all. And that is genuinely a huge game changer yeah. for first-person shooters. Like you, you play a lot of Rainbow Six. Like I, I know you know that. Yeah. Um, I would say that, like, if and I, I agree with everything you said. I think you are right on the nose that it's not. If you have a One X, that's not worth upgrading unless one of those things drastically matters to you. But I think by the time we get to E3, I don't know that that's going to be really a line of argument anymore because everything will be next gen only. So, like, if you want to experience Starfield, $300 is a pretty cheap entry point to be able to experience that. Like, yeah, yeah, it may not be like right now it may not graphically be above the 1X, but as the internal teams because we internal studios always get the most out of these machines, right? We've seen it with Sony's. Look at what Nintendo did with Breath of the Wild in a handheld mode. Yeah. Right? Like, your, your internal teams are always going to get the most out of your hardware. And I think as Bethesda has had almost two years at that point of being an internal studio, and they've had much longer than that developing on it, obviously, you're going to have to make a choice. Like, how badly do I want to play this game? And I think there's no better selling point than the next rpg from bethesda softworks being an exclusive it's either this or you go build a really good pc rig mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen for 95 percent of us not a lot of people <laughs> have a couple grand to throw 
No, so no. Right. So three hundred. I think three hundred dollars at that point. Then I think the three hundred dollars is worth it to upgrade from the one X. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you're if you're looking long term like that, like at least even like just getting one as insurance, because we talked about when I sold my Series X, like are we going to keep that or are we going to keep the S? And I ultimately sold the Series X to a good friend of mine who was looking for one. But I've even questioned it. Like, man, should we have just kept that? Like, how hard is it going to be for us to get one in the future? Like. I, what, what are we, what are we going to do down the line? Like eventually mm-hmm. I do want to get her a series X, but at what point is that going to be with the mid gen refresh? Like she's perfectly happy right now, but I kind of want to move the series. S. I'm made by a second series S at this point. Mm-hmm. I really like how small it is. It's a great little streaming box. You want to do a little bit on Twitch. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So. Yeah. So I did not mean to derail what you were no. saying. No, no, <laughs> that, that, that all was spot on. I mean, honestly, I think it even serves itself as like a good second system to have in the household. Uh-huh. Kind of like yeah. what Corey has. You have your Series X on your main gaming setup, but like mm-hmm. maybe you have like a, you know, a living room TV where it's like you want to pop on and play something real quick. Like I think my one X is in my living room and I popped on to play Halo Reach for a little bit and I popped off. Like, am I going to go back to Halo Reach? Maybe. I don't know. But that's a good place for a Series S to have. It's like something to maybe just kind of go back and forth with or like you want to play it with friends and you want to be in a more kind of living room centered environment or put it in the pooper or something like that and oh, God. play while you're on the pooper. Hmm. You yeah, know, I mean, that, got, those are fast loading times. That's what, that's what yeah, cloud gaming's for is for the pooper. Those, uh, those fast loading times, man, you, you get on the toilet and just jump right into Guardians within seconds, man. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I I enjoy having mine on my OLED and having the Series S in the bedroom for sure. Uh, I that sounds extremely elitist of me to say like, oh, I got one of each. Yeah. Uh, insanely lucky. Insanely lucky today they went out for pre-order. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel I feel bad I, saying I, I have both it. too, but also I don't because I don't. Sorry guys, just don't feel bad. Uh, I I think I'm gonna move my Series X to the office though because like in like a couple weeks because our where we live just got sold to a new landlord and like (laughs) we're trying to wait to see if our rent would go up or not (laughs) and everything under a new contract or anything or if they're going to kick us out but ideally i'm moving the office into the toy room and moving the kids toy room into the office because as you can see the office is slowly turning into the toy room anyway so and this this space is a way bigger space and that space will that makes more sense for them, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Plus, like, not not to, like, throw shade at my Series S or anything, but I do have a Series X. You know. Yeah. Shh, it'll hear you. Ah! It's okay. It knows. That's the red-headed stepchild of all the, of all the new Xbox systems. <laughs> it knows. Okay. It knows. I hope so. Anyways, it's a good topic. Great. Great topic. But we're going to. Yeah, some good, uh, you know, I mean, it's good perspectives because, I mean, ultimately, in the end, I feel like the Series S needs to be where it's at. But I don't see a long term solution. That is a long term. I I again think that if we hadn't had a global pandemic, it would look really bad, probably. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it would would look really short sighted if you were able to produce these. But like, like I've said on pods before, I used to work in an electronics distribution company. And we were behind on microchips and microprocessors and things like that back in 2019 when I was there. Mm-hmm. So, all right, excuse me, at the, uh, 
yeah, at the end of 2019. God, the last couple of years, it just blended together so much. Um, and in 2019, when I was there, we already had orders getting pushed into 2021. So it's it's not hugely surprising to me. We were already back up before a pandemic, and it's just continued. Like, this is something we're probably not breaking out of in terms of if everything straightened out tomorrow, we probably would still be in perpetual shortage until probably this fall. So, I mean, maybe this time next year we'll be out of it. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe but until then, the Series S is going to thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, Phil Spencer initially said that he thinks the Series S might outsell the Series X in the long run. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's an extra. That is like that's doomsday planning. I think. Well, I mean, yeah. at the, at, before I these consoles came out, I want to go for the bigger one. <laughs> I, I think. Well, here's the thing, though. We have to also remember that for a lot of people, the smaller price, the best price tag, is what's going to win. That's what did the PS4 so much favor over mm-hmm. the Xbox One initially. Was it wasn't giving you any extra shit. It was a hundred dollars cheaper, um, and it was not the subject of a viral video. And this time around, I mean, parents are going to look at this and be like, uh, well, this one is $200 cheaper than what you want, little Timmy. You're getting the one that's $200 cheaper. Yeah. All you do is play Fortnite and uh, Minecraft anyways. So here you go. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Game Pass Gary is going to go buy another one, oh, too. Oh, God. Game Pass Gary. No. No. No more Game Pass Gary. What a fuck. Oh, my gosh. We're getting out of Can here. Can I meet Game Pass Gary? Is Game no. Pass Gary a real person? No more Game Pass Gary. We're getting out of here. Okay. <laughs> no. But I want to know who Game Pass Gary is. You'll fi- I, if- I made Look. characters up a while back. Uh, Little Timmy and Game Pass Gary. And the okay. Game Pass Gary was stealing consoles from Little Timmy at Christmas time and was scalping them. Mm-hmm. So he's become the object of our ire over the last couple of years. Gosh, does this mean? I don't Josh, think I like Game Pass, Gary. <laughs> Josh, if, if every time you sit in, we're going to have to bring up these characters, aren't we? Yes, every time. <laughs> every single time. I'm surprised you took you this long. I am, too. I didn't have an opening. Oh, yeah. That's fair. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening to this episode of Arsenal X, the Xbox podcast. You can find it every Tuesday on your podcast service of choice. Remember to... Like, subscribe, share, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating if you listen on iTunes and Spotify. really helps us out. Catch all of our content on BossRush.net. Josh, thanks for sitting in tonight. Really appreciate your time. Where can we find you? Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Uh, E3, I think, was the last time I sat in. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Where can we find you? Uh, You can find me every Friday morning on Tap. Our casuals, the Destiny podcast. And you can also find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Finn, two ends. Stoy, I appreciate you as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate both of you as well. Where can we oh, find thanks, you? Man. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on uh, the EXP cast, a video game podcast. We're part of the Boss Rush Network. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at EXP cast. And then also my personal Twitter, uh, Stoy, MKE8. And I'm on Instagram at that same too cool you can find me at i am Corey hd on twitter and instagram you can find me hosting the boss Rush podcast every monday morning on podcast services you can also find me on tower casuals you can find me in a plethora of content here on the boss rush network look out this week uh on free feeds you will be able to find after dark premiering you will be able to find standard definition re-emerging and uh 
It's going to be a good time. Stoy, you're on that first episode of Standard. Sick. It's Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. You can see what I thought about it for the first time I've ever watched the movie. Still mad. Still mad about that. You know what? It's fine. I'll be okay, though. You'll be fine. I'll be fine. You'll be fine. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Boss Rush Network. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.